0: The Bible reading this morning is from Psalm 40, and as usual, it's printed in our news about. Um, the, The writer of this psalm expresses many different thoughts, and so it could be helpful if you follow along as I read this morning. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare sacrifice and offering you did not desire but my ears you have opened burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require then I said here I am I have come it is written about me in the scroll I desire to do your will my God your law is within my heart I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help Always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Amen. It's not a confrontation,
1: it's a question. It's an expression of concern. Help-seeking is a strength, not a weakness. All we need to do is connect with someone and just talk. Every day is an opportunity. Hi,
0: okay?
1: We know that from time to time, as individuals, we can struggle...
0: Foundations of our loved
1: ones or the people around us, or those people around them, could change overnight. Every day carries with it the possibility of another issue, another problem.
0: Being a wife and mother, the pressures were mounting and mounting. I know that I'm pretty good at learning my real emotions, or when I expand. I figure that if I'm a good at then most of you guys probably are
1: too. There is something that you guys can do. You can make a huge impact just by reaching
0: out. I know it would have taken me a lot longer to ask someone for help or to, to get help. If you go in with an open heart, an open mind, and open arms, you cannot do any wrong. You cannot make things any worse. You're not expected to have all the answers. Just
1: listening can be uh, such a big help in itself. You've got two, two things on the side of your head called ears. There, they could be life saving.
0: We don't need to be a doctor or a philosopher or have any fancy letters after our names.
1: If someone just notices that something doesn't look okay, that That can be that trigger moment that changes everything.
0: I think it's important to encourage action because some people don't know where to go. That's therapy is just so important. Are you okay? It's just a question and a conversation that needs to be had with like family members, friends or even yourself sometimes, just to make sure that everyone's alright. It's just a simple thing to do. When people have checked in with me, it's just made me feel like I have a kind of a safety net. By regularly checking in on another, I feel we might have more opportunity to share our feelings honestly. It's just a very natural, normal thing to do every single day. There's always one person that may not realise, you know, just how
1: special a single moment can be. What do you want to do? How can we get there? Let's do it together. If we can have our first slide, great. Are you okay? Start a conversation that changes life. Heavenly Father, as we look at this issue and as have we've had some um, wonderful candour from the front, wonderful openness and honesty, uh, we just pray to God that we would be able to journey in this space together as a congregation to think carefully uh, with our hearts as well as our heads and in the end, Heavenly Father, be a far more loving congregation growing in our love, understanding and compassion for each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you okay? Are you okay? Uh, I want to say sometimes that it's uh, okay not to be okay. You know, we have people that uh, uh, are not okay. I was up at Cullingford Court one day and I was walking on the ground floor down toward the lifts and there I'm not sure if they're still there, but there were some lounges. Do you know that near the lifts at Cullingford Court on ground level? And there was a woman, she looked like she was perhaps in her 40s and she was just crying with all her heart, she was just crying. And I thought, well, someone's got to just say something. So I went and sat next to her and I asked her how she was doing, I said, there, you know, what's going on here? And uh, she just shared that she suffered some mental health issues and that she's, she's all right, she's safe, uh, but she was just overwhelmed at that point. And I said, well, I'm not sure Uh, she gave me her first name I didn't catch her second name which would later be significant and I just gave her my phone number and I said look if I can be of any help to you I would you know happily do that well my phone rang later that night and it was her husband and the husband said I understood you talked to my wife today at the shopping (laughs) centre yeah because she was a an attractive woman in her 40s. I thought, oh no, I'm going to be called creepy old man. And uh, I said, yes, I did. And uh, he said, I just wanted to thank you. He said, you may or may not remember me. I was a part of your youth group in 1985 to 1989 when you were the youth pastor of our church. And thank you that you took time to stop and ask my wife who was in deep distress how she was going. I need to tell you that she's okay. She's home. This week on social media, last week on social media, um, part of my music connections, a woman was saying, please, please hold me in your prayers. Just really hold me in my prayers. And a lot of people were just fumbling for words to say. And I could see from her responses to them there was something big going on. So I messaged her privately. I haven't spoken with her probably for a couple of years, but we did get on pretty well. So, I messaged her privately and I said, you know, if you need to talk, what's going on? Here's my phone number. Please ring me directly. She got back and she said she's just lost her second sister in one year. She lost an oldest, her elder sister earlier this year and she's lost her younger sister just recently. She said, but thank you for asking. I think we need to say to people, are you okay? Can I listen to you? What can I do to help you? And we need to check in with them after that time. So I want to say today that it's okay not to be okay. I think as a congregation, you know, we need to set a culture that just says that we're just not always uh, just jolly in Jesus, right? Right? Because sometimes life's journey, I was asked that question today, uh, this week by somebody who looked me directly in the eye and said, are you okay? And they wanted the correct answer, they wanted something deep and profound and that sat with my spirit for a day or so as I thought through that and I got back to them and um cause they checked in, they checked in again to see how I was doing, I was incredibly grateful for that. I was incredibly grateful for that because it was a difficult week, which I'll share later At how this church has wonderfully blessed me. So it's okay not to be okay. Is that all right? Can we say that? It's okay not to be okay. Uh, I saw Michael Carr Gregg on an early morning television show and he was talking about the mental health of young people and how dire it was across Australia. So I just thought to myself, well, what have I got a chance to... I haven't got a chance. You might, rub the, you might rub the lamp and a genie just might pop out. So I wrote to him, I emailed him direct, and I said, I would really, you were just rattling off these staggering figures, and I would really like a copy of those figures. Well, in about two hours, I'm not sure if it was his or one of his assistants or something, I got the information, I actually got his script, which has got incorrect grammar and all kinds of things, and it was his notes that he took onto the uh, Seven Sunrise Show. And he said these things, and it it just amplifies and friends I've been pastor here a long time. A lot of us have issues and difficult journeys and headspace concerns. I want to declare in Jesus name that it's okay. And that I want to declare in Jesus name that we're going to, con- we're going to be a congregation that says it's okay. And we're gonna love each other along the journey. Because there's, there's huge issues. Of course, you know, uh, my family's not unaffected by these things, but these are the, some of the statistics. If you can't see those because the writing's too small, just listen up. He just rattled these off and he's, he's a child specialist. So these are figures all tailored towards young people. He's a paediatric uh, expert said one in seven, uh, four to 17 year olds have experienced a mental disorder, more than half a million of them in Australia. One in 13 teenagers had major depressive disorder. One in five girls have a major depressive disorder between the ages of 16 and 17. One in 20 girls have attempted suicide. One in five suffer high levels of psychological illness. One in 12 teens have self-harmed in the previous 12 months. One in 13 had seriously considered suicide. 40,000 young people in Australia have attempted suicide. One in two Indigenous young people have a probable serious mental illness. One in four young people have a probable serious mental illness. Uh, Suicide rates are at their highest point in 10 years. The LGBTIQA, rural and remote, Indigenous, Year 12 young people are all at much higher risk. Higher in families that experience unemployment and separation within the first year, the first year of separation of a marriage breakdown. One in three higher education students reported thoughts of suicidal harm and two-thirds of younger uh, education students have reported high to very high levels of psychological um, distress. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I'll just go on the next slide. Okay, we'll get to those verses in a minute. So what do I want to say to us today? I want to say the first thing is, well, I think we need to learn to just, we need to get in touch with ourselves, so we need to face ourselves. I'm reading through the Psalms. Actually, I should be praying through the Psalms. The Psalms are incredible. Uh, I have a daily schedule. My phone texts me uh, where that I, reminds me every day that I should read my Bible. I'm not the only person who has those little reminders. I get it at 7.30 in the morning. If I haven't opened it up, it texts me again at 7.30 at night and says, don't break your winning streak, get back. Active. I, I apparently have a winning streak. So I have a streak of Bible reading that I have to keep going on and it texts me a verse and then of course it also keeps where I'm just reading in my general scriptures. So it gives me a verse for the day which I'll often highlight and keep. And it also gives me a little set of things. So I read the Psalms, and the Psalms are incredible. This is why I I've, I've brought, last week, the you know, last time I preached, I brought Psalm 13, I brought Psalm 40 this time, because as I've read through the Psalms, they've been incredibly uh, foundational for me. And the Psalmist, you'll note this, the Psalmist is never apologetic about the level of emotion that they're expressing to God. The Psalmist, what you'll find in the Psalms is the Psalm basically pours his heart out to God The psalmist is incredibly in touch with their feelings. The psalmist is able to encapsulate and express themselves in such a way. Friends, I think it's very healthy, very healthy to learn to discover how we're feeling and to be able to articulate that and to share that. And obviously when we're articulating that and sharing it with God. And blokes, I'm a bloke. How do you feel? More 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 well I think we need to, we need to work on that space a little bit because i'm I'm a bit like that I think we need to be able to get more in touch with that and we need to be able to express that so we can work that through. What we don't face we can't fix. what we don't face we can't fix. I think we need to be honest to God about things. so the psalmist does that the psalmist. Uh, plums the depths of his soul look at verse two from our reading please have your reading open I'm going to make a few references to that but I'm going to say, say many other things verse two this is how the psalmist is feeling imagine if you asked a person how you're feeling at morning tea and you're expecting the okay answer and the glib let's go on and talk about the football result which of course last night was excellent except for Australia which was pathetic So you're expecting that. And the the person replies to you over a cup of tea, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Would you be expecting that kind of response? So the psalmist is able to articulate here that he feels that he is in a slimy pit and that he is in the mud and the mire of life. It is a healthy thing to be able to get in touch with and to understand how we're feeling. Uh, Also saying, let's have a look at verse 12. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me. I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. How powerful, how graphic, how in touch is the psalmist with his heart and soul. I believe as we're in touch with our heart and soul this this enables us to as Peter said to find that safe place in prayer and so that's wonderful so we need to face ourselves and I think we need to share that with God look at verse one he shares it with God I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry look at verse 13 be pleased to save me Lord come quickly Lord to help me he's expressing it to God look at verse 17 but as for me I am poor and needy may the Lord think of me you are my help my deliverer you are my God and do not delay friends there is no safer place on earth than in the presence of God and with heartfelt prayer there is no safer place on earth than in the presence of God with prayer because he loves you absolutely unconditionally. Nothing you can say can shock him. He's aware, he understands, he knows and he loves you. He sees your faults, he sees your brokenness, he sees your heartache, he sees you in the slimy pit and he declares his love over you. God is a safe place. And then, of course, he infuses and then strengthens us to get out of the slimy pit. It's not God's will that we live in the slimy pit. Hallelujah. But he wants to set our feet upon the rock, bring us up by the power of the Holy Ghost and the victory that we can have in Jesus and with the other help that we have in our society, which is just remarkable, and to bring us into that place. So, this is what we do. We share it with God and we share it with others. Look at that look at that verse up there. We share it with God we share we look at ourselves, we share it with God and we share it with, with others. Look at our scripture that 's on the on the board there uh, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Uh, last week I shared that we were going to have a meeting, Shelley and I, with my son, our son and his fiance, and it was the first time that we were going to engage in any kind of meaningful dialogue in the, in the last two and a half years. Uh, my son uh, suffers some significant, our son suffers some significant uh, mental health issues, and that has manifested itself in some really uh, hard space for us, and basically no dialogue, or constructive things. There's been dialogue, but it's not been constructive over the last two years, all by electronic media. And we were terrified. I was terrified uh, going into this meeting, and I'm sure Shirley was also equally anxious. But I said that last week, and you know what a number of people said that they would pray you have, you were praying for us and I want to say you beautiful people that promised to pray there was some sort of sense of the uncanny peace of God that as we walked into what could be a volatile situation which wasn't praise the Lord and I'm coming to that as I went in there, there was a sense of uncanny peace of God how many people understand the uncanny peace of God that comes from prayer how many people, you don't know, know that? You've got to start praying for each other and you've got to start praying yourself. You need some of the uncanny peace of God. And I want to say this, though we were really anxious and we didn't know how it would all go, that the meaning for what it was, and as we got together and we discussed the upcoming wedding on the 3rd of November, I'd have to say it, it went as good as we could have hoped it could have gone. And then halfway through the dialogue, um, they were talking about me, we st- uh, weren't even sure uh, you know, how was it gonna be, were we gonna be there, was the family gonna be invited, all those kind of things to them, because they're engaged. Uh, they've set a date for the 3rd of November and I weren't quite sure. And he said, so dad, will you be be speaking through the microphone as you do the service <laughs> oh, i just said i just have to have some documents here so i pulled open the folder just in case it was a miracle of god going to unfold it up and I, well here's the forms you need to fill in and here's the vows you can choose from and and uh, by the way here's some other legal things that you need to know about and all that kind of stuff and i said i'd be delighted to do that and by the way i'll bring my own pa <laughs> isn't that awesome and so I was able to text back to those people who were texting me that, that, that day that God was good and that we it's not, you know, we've got a long way to go. We've got a long way to go, but people wanted to know if I was okay, if we were okay, we were okay. The power of God gave us a, son, a sense of... Um, I just, you know, there's religious words for it in Philippians, but I just kind of the uncanny peace of God. And yesterday we were out with his fiance. My son was on the on the tools working, but we were out with his fiance scouting and planning the wedding in situ at where we we're going to be. So pray for a sunny day because it's at the basin in the open air. That may be good, particularly if it's sunny. So we need to we need to do that, make sure that the person you're sharing with is a safe person. Jesus said, what did Jesus say about pearls and swine? Don't throw your pearls before swine. So just before you go opening up the deepest drawers in your cabinet with somebody, have a good look at them and ask yourself, I wonder if they're an oinker. I wonder if they're an oinker person a person that I can trust with my deepest things because you know in life you there won't you won't be able to share your deepest things with everybody that's just not the way it is and nor should it be. but there are a handful of people perhaps out there that you could develop friendships with that you can be completely candid with. I think you only need a small handful. it might be two or three or four people on earth that you can have that kind of relationship with but just uh, just protect your heart there. In Galatians 6, we're told, carry each other's burdens and this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? What's the law of Christ? To to love each other as he has loved us. Is that the law of Christ? That's the law of Christ. We're going to love each other. How do we love each other? It simply says this. You will fulfill the law of Christ. We will fulfill the law of Christ if we help carry each other's burdens, if we help carry each other's burdens. Here's a couple of examples in the scripture about where people have carried each other's burdens. This is a very common uh, one. You'll know this one from Job. Uh, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, you must have been very small. And Zophar, the Namathite, heard about all his troubles that had come upon him. Note what they do. They set out from their homes and they met together by agreement to go and to sympathize with him and to comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud. They tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads, which of course is a sign of mourning and sorrow in um, the Middle East in that time. And they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights and gave him glib and stupid advice. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Never ever underestimate the power of your loving, silent presence with somebody in pain. They're not looking for proverbial glib solutions to complex, painful, sometimes permanent situations. We just need to be loving and present. Things only went awry in the book of Job when they opened up their gobs. Got a few things wrong. And so note what they did. They got off their backsides. They set out from their own homes. They didn't expect the person that was wounded to come to them. They met together. There was a bit of a collaborative thing. That's why we're in life groups. Mm-hmm. It's why we're in life groups because there's a collaborative approach to pastoral care. Life groups are the primary structure for pastoral care within a church. And they set out together and when they got there they were overwhelmed and they entered into that space. They wept with him as he was weeping and they sat with him and they identified with him. And they started wisely by knowing that it wasn't. He'd been wiped out. His family was wiped out. His flocks were wiped out. Everything he owned had been taken from him. And it was just him and his wife. And he was all scabbed up and even his health was compromised. He was really being shredded. But that's what good friends do. They sit with you in the dust of life. And they are there with you and for you. Here's another one. Moses trying to take the people out of Egypt, fighting on the journey. Joshua, his commander-in-chief, is down on the ground. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcome the Amalekite army with the sword. Sometimes in life when you are in the heat of the battle, you just need some people to come and stand next to you give you a seat to sit on and hold your hands up for you until you get some victory in Jesus' name. Glory to God. How many people understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just need someone to let take the weight off your feet we'll lift up the hands and we will stand by you till the fight that you are in starts to turn in your direction. And we will hold your hands up with love and we will hold your hands up with prayer and we will hold your hands up with encouragement and we will hold your hands up by believing in you. We will hold your hands up by believing in God and we will stand there and together we'll lift hands up and we'll say, God, we're here together. We stand together until the tide turns and the victory starts to flow your way. That's what it means to be a fellowship that's what it means to be a church we go to people that are in trouble and we hold their hands up and we look after them and we care for them and we put seats under them and we stand by each other until things change we love people through to the very end of the battle and we give glory to God we give glory to God with all of that and you know from a little testimony we had, you can do it. Anyone can do it, it's just a simple thing. Uh, so it's okay not to be okay, so this is what we do. We ask, are you okay? You, you, you've got what it takes that you can do. They turn to the person next to you and say, you've got what it takes. Go on, turn to them, turn back to him and say, so do you, so do you, you got what it takes. You got what it takes. Just a simple question, back of my T-shirt. Start a conversation that changes the life. You can do it. You can do it. You can ask the question, are you okay? Who will you ask? Someone you know, someone you're at church with, someone who I did music with, someone who I saw in the supermarket, for court. Someone you work with, teacher or student, who it'll be. This is what we can do. We ask the question: Are you okay? We uh, we listen to them. We listen to them. We say this: I'm here for you. <laughs> I like that one. Of all the little slides that are you okay put out there? I'll go back this way. I just need to listen. You don't need to talk. Mostly they just need love and care. Need listening ears. The old uh, two ears, one mouth ratio thing. We encourage action. That means we might need to go with somebody if somebody's really flat and they need to go for a walk. We might just pick them up, go for a walk, go for a coffee. If they need to see the doctor to talk about things, we go with them. We do actions together with people to help them. We just don't let them just wander off and struggle and drown by themselves. We ask the question, what can I do to help you? Is there anything I can do to support you? It's the it's the $64 million question in the church. Is what can I do to help? Just like, what action are you going to take? What's the best thing for you? What's the next step for you? What can I do to help you make that step? We can tend things with them. We can... Go with them and then of course we need to check in with them. We follow up and say how did it all go and that's when they'll know that your platitude is a real act of love. We listen. You've got what it takes. You say can I help? You say then let's chat again soon. And somebody says to you I'm okay. Thanks for asking. That's all right too isn't it? You don't have to not be okay. It's okay to be okay. (laughs) I'm okay. I understand what you're asking, but I'm actually okay. What's the worst thing that can happen to you if somebody says, you know, no, I'm okay. You say, well, that's great. You know, if you ever need to talk, I'm always got, I'm always here for you. That's the worst thing that can happen and somebody would say, you know, No, you're not going to get embarrassed. They're going to say, thanks for asking. It's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. Sometimes we go on a journey and we're going to need some professional help. That's why I put all those prayer points in the church thing. You know, when when they're when they're on their mark, as Peter testified so beautifully today, doctors are good, psychologists are good, counselors are good, mentors are good, psychiatrists are good. And if you're trying to see somebody and, and I would, I encourage people to get professional help all the time. I've even sat in a room and had uh, my heart explored by a professional. Uh, it was very helpful. I wouldn't hesitate to go back. And so, you know, and if it's not working, look, if you're seeing somebody, you're talking to a therapist, my encouragement to you is if it's not working, find somebody else. Sometimes it's just a matter of compatibility. Sometimes it's you just, don't get that, you don't resonate, they don't get you. Find somebody who gets you. There's, there's others out there. Uh, not every church is for everybody. Not every pastor is for everybody. Uh, find somebody that, that works with you and you'll find that. There's lots of help out there. There's a lot of good Christian agencies. I've, I've listed a number of uh, phone numbers and contacts in the church paper for you to think about in that sort of stuff. So I want us to declare today as a congregation that this is a safe space for headspace. Yes? Can we declare that in Jesus' name? This is going to be a safe space for headspace issues. And we're going to be, when we say, are you okay? We're going to mean more than uh, just a segue into, would you like some sugar with your coffee? We need to be able to, I believe that we need to make this a part of our language and a part of our speech to each other, these meaningful comments um, I believe that we need to kill any sense of shame over mental health issues. They're dead as of this minute in this church. There is no shame. Honesty and complete transparency are the, uh, are the language of our church. Let's be sure that when people start to share, never withdraw, never judge, never avoid, never disdain, always... Be there and listen for them. Encourage, accept, and love. So, what do we need to do? We need to ask, Are you okay? We need to listen and listen and listen. We need to encourage action. We need to say, What can I do to help? And we need to pray for them. And then we need to check in. Can we be a congregation that is listening, caring, encouraging? praying and checking in. Let's be a church like that. Do you agree? Um, and let's stand up and sing this great song.